Good evening, Vancouver. Welcome back to Canucks After Dark, September 26th, the final show of September. We are so close to hockey season. The Canucks are already in perfect Vancouver Canuck form. <laughs> and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Canuck Clay. How are you doing tonight, Clay? Parker, I was so excited until you led with that, and then I, I kind of know what we're going to be talking about already, and I'm, I was actually really excited about the show. I still am, but... Uh, yeah, not the best start for our Canucks, but before we get into that, I am just fine. Was at the arena, felt good being there. That was the night after I went to WWE in a different arena. That was fine, how Canucks flair there. So I had a pretty good, relaxed, uh, very mature weekend. A 48-year-old man watching wrestling. That would be me. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, yeah, I remember turning that Canucks game on and like having it. I was watching the Seahawks game, kind yeah. of half watching it because I, I want them to lose and win at the same time. So yeah. I'm like half watching the Seahawks game and then I'm like, oh, the Canucks game's on. I flip over and I get a little like hit of like, oh, there's there's Dan Murphy like doing the thing. And then it cuts over. I'm like, all right, it's, it's hockey season. This is great. Is. And is. then, of course, it's a hockey game that doesn't matter and isn't yes. like super exciting. And then I cut over to Sunday Night Football and that's worse. And then so I'm, it was a rough day of sports yesterday, but at least we got a little taste. We got a little bit of taste. Uh, I know we're going to talk about this. We lost to the same team twice in one night, uh, but it's only preseason. Yeah. But uh, I think the loss maybe on the ice could be more than the loss on the scoreboard. But yeah, enough leading. We'll get into it. But you said hockey season is here. So at least I know we're both excited. We were talking about this before we started that now we actually have meaty content to actually digest and talk about. Yes, we have injuries to talk about. Let's go. Just what oh. we were looking for. Uh, so our leading topic for the night, for tonight is that the Vancouver Canucks have taken four L's in just two days. They lose at home in overtime, uh, three to two to the Calgary Flames. They lose yeah. one hour later in a shutout in Calgary to the Calgary Flames. In that game, the first game, they lose Ilya Mikheyev to an injury. And then this morning, Brock Besser has hand surgery. So let's let's go chronological. What what of what of the terrible news do we want to start off this exciting last show of September with? I think we the one we can spend the least amount of time on because I'm sure you didn't watch it. I know I didn't watch it, and I don't think there's anything to talk about. Was the four nothing the goose egg in Calgary? So uh, with any split squad game, the home team keeps their good guys like we supposedly did. Then your the road team sends their not so good guys, which we did do. And uh, the result, when your first line is Lazar, Dickinson, and uh, Joshua, you knew that offense was going to be at a premium for the Canucks. Yeah, honestly, you said it was 4 nothing. Had no idea until you said that. Because um, I had I, I completely zoned it out. I, I wasn't interested in Lazar's first game in a Canucks uniform, yeah. to be honest, being yeah. in the preseason. Sure. Uh, yeah, absolutely nothing of interest there. Um Let's go to the, the other game that we actually watched because um, you were there. I had I was, it on the TV sort of yep. on and off flipping through. Yep. Um, and I mean, we don't care about the score, right? I mean, it's great that we had a little, a nice little pod Colson goal, nice little drive yes. to the net, uh, which yep. we love to see getting at five hole. Uh, we have Garland tying up the game late with a great pass from Elias Pettersson, uh, which is nice to see. Pettersson yeah. setting up points, draws yes. to penalties as well. So I want to yep. know. Who cares about the game? What were your, like, who impressed you? Who yeah. didn't impress you? Sort of what were your, who sure. were your pluses and your minuses, so to speak? Sure, I'd love to. Game? Awesome, man. And, and I know we'll talk about the injuries later, but from the actual players that played, actually the three guys, Parker, that you mentioned, Garland, Podkolzin, and PD. They're really good. Of course, PD and Podkolzin were on uh, the same line. No, no, it was other. Garland and uh, Podkolzin were on the same line with Horvat. Then it was PD, Mikheyev, and Kuzmenko. So I actually thought that Garland was good. He had the two points. I thought Podkolzin was great. He had the. He was very, very uh, confident. He scored that first goal and was very tough on the boards all night. I thought he was great. PD looked good. Offense, defense, both ways. I thought he was great. Rathbone played a lot of minutes. You probably saw 25 or 26 minutes. Still trying to figure out how to work with really skilled players on the first power play unit, but he did not look out of place. And I'd say Kuzmenko. Actually, I know Bruce Rujo, uh, Patrick, oh, sorry, Rutherford was complaining about his shift length. It wasn't that bad. It was The stat was actually only 15, one second more than Petey's shift length, but maybe Kuzmenko just looks like he was out there too long. But I thought Kuzmenko was good as well. Similar to Podkolzin, maybe it's a Russian thing, strong along the boards, won a lot of battles. So I'd say those five, Petey Garland, Podkolzin, Kuzmenko, 
and Rathbone. And the two goalies were fine. Silovs made some really athletic saves, and Martin was fine. The, sure, the second goal was bad, but he also made some really good saves. So all those guys stood out to me in a good way. I'll get into the guys that didn't stand out to me, but uh, those are the guys for me. I don't know how it came across on TV. But before that, Parker, did you notice the new camera angle? I Obviously, I didn't watch the game on TV. Could you tell that it was a, a tiny bit higher? I didn't notice. Oh. And then I saw a tweet about it, I think at the intermission. Yeah. And then I forgot about it by the time I turned the game back on. Yes. So I didn't notice. Um, I, I'd i have to look at it again. Okay. Okay. So of the players, who did you notice? Um, so the very first shift for Pedersen, Kuzmenko, Mikheyev. I, yeah. I liked, and I think I had a tweet uh, that, that actually did quite well, which was weird. Uh, <laughs> it's the first time I've t- tweeted in ages. Uh, basically <laughs> saying, like, I, you know, I've seen 45 seconds of these three, and, I, and I'm sold. Uh, yeah. Of course, then that turns into McKay of getting hurt. But um, I really liked, you know, they, they seem to have a little bit of chemistry to go off of already. Um, McKay of speed was really apparent. Uh, especially on that one penalty kill where he just yes. sort of skated the puck out of his, the zone and it was suddenly a two-on-one because he just sort of skated past a guy. And he was gassed. Yeah, yeah, at the, yeah. End of a, at the end of a penalty killing shift, yes. right? Like, penalty killing is exhausting. Um, so for that, you know, that's that was great. Um, you know, Kuzmenko got really close on that one shot that he had from that Pedersen pass where he sort of caught high shoulder. Uh, yep. He's got a really, really good shot, uh, pretty lethal, which I'm excited to see more of. Um, and then I would say those were the, the only ones I really focused too much on. And then, uh, obviously I, I noticed the goaltending as well. You know, Seelovs goes in, has a perfect period, lets win in overtime, whatever. Uh, Spencer Martin was fine. Uh, you know, that, that first goal, which I mean, you know, guys in all alone on you cause of some, yeah. some rough defensive play, um, <laughs> from an AHL player. Right. I don't remember who it was. Um, but it wasn't, yeah, it was McKay who actually gave up the puck and then, uh, Kalanuck or yeah, got yeah, turned Kalanuk. around. Yeah, 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 yeah. So whatever, right? That happens. Um, so I thought the goalies were good, um, but I think that was kind of it from you know the the people who I was actually like impressed with. It's the first game of the preseason. The it was some sloppy hockey at times, uh, especially yes. early. Uh, like there was some sequences like Jet Wu in his own zone, just sort of like passing it and missing a guy, and then the pass back missing, and then the four checking flames guy misses the puck, and everything. <laughs> like it was just messy, which is fine and, and totally fair. Uh, yeah. Stuff that will get cleaned up in the next two weeks, but yeah. I think that's sort of it for my people who stood up positively. Yeah, no, I think we agree uh, on the, a lot of the same players. So you know, Danny DeKaiser, I was really, I'm willing to give this guy a chance. Was really surprised, just as I'm sure you were, that he got. Basically, the second pairing minutes with Tyler Myers in the in the training camp, and played last night. That group, that pairing was okay. You'd obviously expect their foot speed not to be the greatest. Well, Myers skates well for a big guy, but you could definitely see the Kaiser's not that fast. But he's got a good hockey IQ. But everything happens so fast at the NHL level that even if you're making good decisions, if you don't skate or handle the puck fast, things close in on you pretty quick. So I thought he was just okay. Jet Wu. Uh, you know, I like him. Maybe it's the half Asian thing, but I just don't see him uh, carving out a spot. He, he, he's not a difference maker. And, uh, you know, a, a couple of their, the, the third and fourth liners, they had tough games. Lockwood, I didn't think was that noticeable. Drys was okay. DJ Seppi was good, actually. I should have said mm-hmm. he's, he's got a nice, uh, you know, um, package, a combination of speed and, and size. So, uh, but yeah, the, no one was brutal, but yeah, I agree with you, Parker. It was a very sloppy game, which is to be expected when you're half your squad and you're this first game out of the gate. Yeah. Uh, so for me, there's two sides of the physicality coin. There yeah. was Vasily Podkolzin getting sort of roughed up on that one, like weird, awkward check. And he just turns around and shoves the guy over. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Uh, the other side of that coin was Arsenault. What were your thoughts on Arsenault last night? Okay, okay. so uh, I took my lovely wife Gail to the game, and she, after I think Ar- Arsenault's third or fourth penalty, she basically said, "Wow, this guy likes to take penalties." I said, "Yes, Gail, he does." And then he, how tall is that guy that he beat up? Six foot eight? Six eight, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so that fight was kind of funny, and then. Preseason, you never want to see anyone get rocked badly, and it was good. They usually did the you know the quick tap after the you know good fight, good fight, whatever. Uh, both, I'm sure both guys aren't going to be making their their big clubs. Um, Arsenal, he, he was entertaining, but uh, he didn't do much aside from take penalties and that one fight. 
Yeah, I I was kind of put off pretty quick. I could tell he was doing the the classic thing of you're sort of a, a tweener or like a mid AHL guy. You're trying to get noticed, right? You're trying to show the coach that hey, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna try my best. I'm gonna be physical. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get in the other team's head and do all this stuff. Um, taking dumb penalties though doesn't impress coaches very often. You know. No. Nope. Uh, and it was pretty. It was really obvious, especially that one penalty that he got, when he sort of got like a clean hit on the boards, and then I think it was who was it on the Flames? Was it Valimaki or someone along those lines? I don't know. Zadarov. He got checked, and then he went after him and just sort of like shoved him, trying to fight him <laughs> by the Flames bench on a clean hit in the preseason. Flames guys just standing there like, "What are you doing?" And then he got a penalty, and I was like, "Yeah." I get you're trying to like have a scrap so you're noticeable and you you can maybe have a shot of, you know, being up the depth chart a little bit, but it was it was a little much <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think he won a few like and uh, people in the chat saying that Arsenal's so bad. I think he won a few people back with his good showing in the scrap, but uh, no, that guy this guy's not making the team. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to make the Abstrakness, quite frankly. Yeah, so last year he had 11 points in 42 games for Abbotsford, so kind of oh, like a okay. Okay. kind of like a third, fourth line pace in the AHL. Uh, so not gonna be. I don't think he has an NHL contract, right? He's on. He's just on an AHL deal. So what you're uh, saying is he's Abbotsford's Jake Vertanen, is what you're saying? Uh, probably a better guy, but okay. yeah, uh, <laughs> quite not the best. Uh, not the best player. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, let's go to the real negatives of this game. Oh, by and the way, before was, we do that, Parker, I just want to acknowledge, sorry to interrupt you. Lucas, starting us off, thank you, Lucas, for the $5 donation. And he says, I knew the camera angle was changed before. People said the change had a connection within the Canucks that let me know beforehand. Yes, and there were some people tweeting out, thank you, Lucas, for the donation and for the, the comment. There were people tweeting out that um, they had noticed that they were doing some construction on section, right in the middle, section 308, 309, taking out at least one or two rows of seats. To, because you can't be sitting right behind those cameras. So that would make sense. And I see some people not liking the, the camera angle. I, I got to look. I haven't seen it yet. So Yeah, I'd have to yeah. look again. And I, I saw too. a good point that um, they were sort of like in a box before with the mm. cameras. People yeah. were like, well, they could probably sell that as a suite for quite a bit and just have the guys on the platform above. And then you sell a few less upper bowl tickets instead of the suite. Yep. And it's probably a good little chunk of change. That makes sense. That makes sense. Sorry to interrupt you. Now, the sad news. Ilya Mikheyev. Um, mm. So after a pretty good showing early in the game, takes a hit, kind of awkward, yeah. goes down, skates off. We don't hear from him again. We get the tweet from the Canucks saying that he will not return to the game. Um, Rick Dollywell, I think it was today, said it's not serious, although I don't trust anything that comes out of this management group because yep. they've been pretty tight. Uh, on leaks and things like that. Um, and I was I was pretty impressed by him. And I mean, the Canucks are paying him almost $5 million. He needs to be a really useful piece. Uh, what were your thoughts when you saw that he, uh, I guess, did you notice that he just wasn't on the bench anymore? Or? I did. Actually, I saw the hit when it happened, Parker. It was uh, uh, on my side of the ice, far end. So he did play the puck, and then he turned. And as, as you saw the highlights, as he was turning the corner, he got smoked. And at first I thought maybe he was winded. Maybe he hit his head. You never know. Or maybe. But then I thought I saw him laboring. And it was at the start of a shift. So I knew it wasn't good. Didn't see him go down the tunnel. But I wasn't surprised, Parker, when I saw the tweet saying he wasn't coming back. So then I thought the way he got hit, if it was the actual hit, it could be his rib. It could be his shoulder. could be his arm. could be his elbow. Or if it was when he hit the ground, then it could be also any of those things. So I agree with you. You never know what this management said because... Boudreau was saying that uh, he wasn't sure Besser were going to escape. The next thing we find out, you know, we'll talk about that in a couple minutes. So you're right. It could, hopefully, it is day-to-day. He can work, maybe he misses one practice in preseason, whatever. But as long as he's back for regular season. But um, I guess we'll wait for that news. Yeah, it could be, you know, hey, guy took a bit of a shot, Mm -hmm. you know, in the first preseason game. We don't need him to come back in this game, right? Like, oh, you're feeling a little sore? sit right I mean, we've got six more or five more of these preseason games <laughs> you got you know two and a half weeks until the actual season starts let's not push it let's not risk an actual you know real injury um, great point that's great that's point. best case uh obviously worst case is there's an actual problem um yes. so hopefully hopefully we see him back in the next preseason game or the one after that 
Because um, otherwise, we could be looking at a team with that's missing two of their top six before the first game's even played. Yeah, so Mikheyev, as bad as that could be, you don't want anything want to get hurt, especially in the first game. He's actually the lesser of our two concerns right now because there we go. Let's yes. talk about it. Let's talk about Brock Besser. So Brock Besser hurt in training camp. Uh, it's one of those things, like you mentioned, Pudro says, yeah, he, you know, he'll probably be back. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe not that, maybe not tomorrow's practice, maybe the one after, whatever. Uh, and we come to learn out of nowhere today, uh, Canucks PR, not even the Canucks tweeted out, Canucks PR tweets out, um, Brock Besser underwent successful hand surgery. He will return in three to four weeks. Besser hurt himself at practice on day three of Canucks training camp in Whistler on September 24th. You know, the way you read that part, I've read that tweet a couple times. The way you said himself, I, I, it still means he, does that mean he, he did it know. to himself? No, no, no. That doesn't mean that, does it? <laughs> I, 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 w- I don't know because I've, I've never seen that wording. I, I've yeah. seen like Besser got hurt. hurt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I actually didn't catch that until now too when I was just reading it. And I was like, wait, did he like, well, like, I mean, maybe he like caught an edge and fell on it or right, I don't right. know. Or, That's hurting yourself. Exactly. Or took a, such a hard wrist shot that it went off the post and came back and hit his own hand. Yes. That's hurting yourself. Yes. That would be hurting yourself. Um, yeah. So... <laughs> We don't know which hand, right. as far as I can tell. Yeah. Uh, now I'm thinking about it. Which hand would you rather have hurt? Neither well, one's never, a good option. Well, I've never had a good shot in my life, so you're going to have to take this one. I would say you'd probably prefer your top hand on your stick, so your non-dominant hand, but that's still a yeah. pretty... Both hands are pretty important for shots. Mm. Um, so for this to be the the coming out season for Brock Besser where he's going to score 30 goals and he's healthy and all this stuff. And then this comes out 10 54 AM this morning. Uh, just, just typical. (laughs) So, you know, it's so funny Parker, because when I saw this news, the easy place to go, I'm not saying that you, but I saw many people on Twitter Yes, typical news. Oh, another bad start for Brock. What else is new? No surprise, blah, blah, blah. And then I thought, you know, is, is that is that too easy? Is that low-hanging fruit? But I get the fans' frustration, especially because he's been hyping himself up in a good way. We're excited. He's the one that says, I'm going to score 30 goals. We all think he's going to be top-line player. He was with Miller and, and, uh, and Pearson. So it's... I don't know if it's comical. I don't know if it's sad. I don't know if it's maddening. Maybe it's all those things. It's so bad, man. It's yeah. I mean, you got to think of how frustrating that's going to be for him. Right. Yeah. Like third day, like day, day three of training camp and yeah. you know, you're feeling good and yeah, you have this hand injury. And so that three to four week timeline. Okay. I see that. And I immediately think five weeks. Right. right, like I, I, I never trust any of these. Like, because I mean, how how many times we've been burned by day to day before, <laughs> right? Uh, with Brock Besser, especially. Um, so you know, if it's three weeks, right? Let's yeah. let's do some math. Uh, surgery was today, or okay. I or yesterday, maybe I don't know. But they said three to four weeks. They said that today. So we're going to assume that means what the seventeenth of October, being the earliest he can be back, right? Yep. So that would mean he would miss the Oilers game on the 12th, the Flyers game on the 15th, and then theoretically could be back in the lineup October 17th in D.C. Okay. If it's four weeks, he would miss three more games. He would miss the Blue Jackets on the 18th. Well, I guess he'd miss four, right? He'd miss the Capitals game. They'd miss yeah. the Blue Jackets game on the 18th, Wild on the 20th, hometown game. Yes. And then the, yes, yes. The, uh, the home game, uh, the home opener against Buffalo October 22nd. And then that hurricanes one is exactly four weeks of the day on October 24th. So we're between, he could miss two games. He could miss seven games. Yep. He could. And if it's five weeks, like we have somehow seen, yep. it could be 10 games. Right. And, and suddenly and oh, 10% of the season gone. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So obviously we're hoping it's closer to that three week time frame. Yeah. Um, and you got to wonder, you know, is are is he going to be at 100% when he comes back, right? Because this is the playoff season, 
right? Mm-hmm. You know, theoretically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, do they bring him back at 85% when, and, you know, maybe he sort of battles it all year a little bit and is never 100%? Uh, or yeah. do they wait for it to fully heal? Maybe that takes an extra two weeks. I obviously don't know. I'm just speculating. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's just just so unfortunate to to have this, you know, this early. Yeah, there's so many things at play here, Parker, because we've heard him say, I joked about it a couple minutes ago, but we've heard him say that he was going to score 30 goals this season. And we were talking about maybe the Canucks could have four 30 goal scorers between Besser, Miller, Pedersen, Horvat. What happens if Garland gets his 25 and Paul gets 20, Kuzminko gets 25. There's there's a lot of firepower on this team. But suddenly, uh, yes, this is going to test test their depth for sure. I know we're going to get into that in a minute. But I, I had one other thought too, Parker. Do you remember back in April... Do you remember when Petey accidentally um, injured Besser? Pedersen came across the ice to try and check Ben Hutton of the state uh, the states of the Kings. I don't remember this. Hutton slipped off of it, and actually, Petey nailed Besser, and Besser's arm bent back. Right. And at first, I thought that maybe this was the remnants of that, but then I thought, no, of course not. He had a training camp, and then when you read that tweet again. He hurt himself, and again, it could mean he got hurt. Just weird wording, so it's unfortunate. But you're right; it could be a slash, it could be uh, falling into the boards. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I didn't. I don't have a clip or anything of it, unfortunately. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's really a, a next man up scenario, right? Yeah. Like you said, there's a few guys in this team who could score thirty goals. Now, if it's anything like our predictions from last year, no one will. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean someone is going to get that ice time, right? Someone's going to step up and play with, with JT Miller and whether, you know, whether it's one of Kuzmenko or McKay, unless they want to keep him with Pedersen, um, you know, maybe it's moving up a guy like Niels Hoaglander all the way up there, which might be a little yes. bit aggressive, but, or, or yeah. Pod Colson or Kuzmenko, right? Can someone get up there and contribute the firepower that they're missing, right? If the Canucks do have four potential 30 goal scores, yeah. let's see if someone can get in there and fill that spot. Great point. So let's talk about that, Parker. Let's presume that Mikhail is okay. Let's just to make it easier for us. The simplest would be to put Hoglander up there, and then you don't disrupt any of these quote new lines: the the Pedersen line, the Horvat line. That's the simplest. But does that make the most sense to you, or do you do, do you start to rejig a few things? And of course, this is presuming that Bujo was going to keep all those lines that we've only seen. In preseason, I mean, in training camp. Yeah. So mid-season, you see that a lot, right? Guy comes out, you just slot someone up so you're disrupting as few lines as possible. Yes. They have had like like two or three practices and one game together. Yeah. If there's ever a time to remaster your lines a little bit, now it's probably the easiest. I'm not saying it's the best strategy, but it's probably the easiest time to do so. Mm -hmm. Um, Right? If Even if that's... You know, do you move Hoaglander up there and then call it your third line, right? And then, right, yeah. you know, have the Pedersen and Horvat lines ahead. Um, right. You can do that with Pod Colson as well, and then Hoaglander up to Horvat's line or something along those uh, those lines. Or is it early enough where you can say, okay, we're going to keep this Pedersen, Kuzmeko, Mikheyev together. Let's do some reworking. Let's put Pearson back with Horvat. Let's move Garland up to Miller and then someone hmm. else, right? And, and try to, you know, work around this however you can. So... there's a lot of options right now. Um, The big winner out of this is probably Niels Hoaglander, right? Who we've sort of (laughs) had as maybe a bubble guy, although he's impressed a lot in training camp. Yeah. Um, And now he's assuredly going to be in the opening night roster. Yeah. uh, We've talked about if the fact that he started training camp as the 13th forward behind Dickinson, Lazar and Joshua, we talked about, okay, then he's first man up for maybe a top nine spot. You want him in your top three lines anyways maybe not on your fourth line and here's a golden opportunity and quite frankly i don't see lazar dickinson or joshua elevating themselves to a top nine role i don't see anyone else in abbotsford that's going to do it so you're right this is a perfect opportunity for him whether it's with miller and pearson or you're right whether they rejig the lines as well because as you said it's early enough to do so yeah so yeah it's not the end of the world. Again, best case, he misses two games and everybody's happy. But, you know, obviously there is a world where he misses eight to ten, and Man. which would be really unfortunate. Yeah, I, maybe your memory is better than mine, Parker. I'm sure it is because you're half my age. But did, did he has he only had one healthy training camp slash preseason in the past four seasons? I thought I, I saw something. So. Wow. Yeah, I saw I saw something similar where he's yeah. basically missed 
you know missed some time of training camp in the last and three last four years was one of them one of them was a contract one though right yes yes that's right uh three years maybe it's only two injury ones but yeah and then last year i think it was his hip or something something yeah oh i just i just searched besser uh (laughs) geo's uh geo's title for his video on besser being hurt is great what is it it's just all caps are you kidding me brock besser what the and that's it <laughs> uh, that's that's a great title that's a good title <laughs> uh, uh, that's any, funny. anything else from i guess player wise yeah i got you I wanted got, to hit on sure i got one we don't have to do a banner for it we just talk about it um uh, rathbone shen versus dermot pullman to you Actually, no, it's not as simple as saying which is your third pairing, which is your fourth pairing, because I'm not convinced Danny DeKaiser makes this team. And I get it. I get it. It's early. It's so early. Yeah. Yeah. It's so early. So are you saying who's your third pairing? Who's your third and who's your fourth pairing? If. And you're assuming DeKaiser doesn't make the team? Well, the the way I framed it, it was actually presuming DeKaiser does make it. That way, Rathbone and Dermot are are the guys we're talking about. But let's, let's forget about any combos. It's what we want to do. What do we think is going to happen? Because I'm not sure DeKaiser makes this team. I'm not either. I wasn't yeah. that impressed. Um, you know, unless he's like a great room guy that they think he's going to be a great number seven or something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. If their thought is, you know, we don't want Jack Rathbone to be a number seven D man, and we want Danny DeKaiser to be a number seven D man because we're not <laughs> wasting any any practice time or, or play right. time, then maybe that's an argument for it. Um, yeah. so what are we, what do we got? We got Hughes and Ekman Larson. Yep. We got, Actually, read, read this one. This is exactly what we have. Yeah. Okay. OEL Hughes, <laughs> yeah. Dermot Myers, Rathbone Shen in Kai's opinion, and then Pullman as the yeah. number seven. And or so Rathbone, this is, Pool- yeah, exactly. Right. So the alternatives, uh, again, are a guy like Jack Rathbone being out of the lineup, Pullman mm-hmm. being in the lineup. Danny yeah. DeKaiser being signed, being the seventh D, Pullman Shen as your five six, and then yeah. Rathbone uh, top pairing in Abbotsford. Right. So I let's let's I want your your thought. What would your perfect yeah. defensive scenario be? Yeah, it's it's this one. Yeah, actually that Kai and I if 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 OEL or Hughes, and it sounds like Hughes is gonna play the right side, then really you only have Dermot and Rathbone on the left because Myers is right, Shen is right, and Pullman is right. And I don't uh, Hughes might be able to switch from left to right. I'm not sure Pullman can switch from right to left. No, so so I actually, I like Travis Dermott a lot, and not just because of his contract. I think we can agree that Tyre Myers is our second pairing right guy if Hughes plays on the right. So I agree with those first four for sure. OEL Hughes, Dermott Myers. And I like Rathwin. We both like Rathwin. We've talked about that for a year and a half now. So really, to me, it comes down to Shen versus Pullman. And... Pullman's been okay since he's came back. Like he kind of had a, he was okay last year. He didn't suck. I just think his he, his contract sucks, but he doesn't suck. Yeah, this is this is interesting. I, the Hughes move and whether it was him or OEL, same effect. Yeah, has actually given the Canucks like their better defensemen are at the top of the defensive pile. Yeah, because right? we went from Hughes and Shen up at the top. Where yeah. now you have a really tough balance of, well, if we give Hughes more minutes, we also have to give Luke Shen more minutes. <laughs> right. And Luke Shen's great yeah. in the role that he serves. His role just isn't a 24 minute night defenseman <laughs> on yeah. a top pair. You're right. Um, at least it shouldn't be on a team trying to make the playoffs. But if you look at a, a top defensive pair of Quinn Hughes and Oliver Ekman Larson, you now do not have the worst top pair in the NHL. Right. You have a, a really good number one. And you probably have a guy who's hovering around a number three, four. Yep. And Larson, right? Maybe a three. And to have a number three as your number two, not the end of the world. And for it to be a guy like Oliver Ekman Larson, a, a seasoned veteran <laughs> who uh, is, you know, has some good pedigree and, and was honestly totally fine last year, I'm totally fine with that as a top pair. Travis Dermott, Tyler Myers, I think Tyler Myers showed last year he is a second pair defenseman. No doubt okay. about it. Uh, Travis Dermott, I have questions about. Um, especially when you look at his history in Toronto and, and you'll look at what Maple Leafs fans will say and be like, yeah, he's just not really a top four defenseman. So he needs to become one, right? Um, now, best case, a guy like Jack Rathbone really steps it up, maybe even surpasses Dermot at some point in the next year. 
but I think you have now given yourself a sort of average top pair with Hughes and Ekman Larson, with Hughes being above average, Ekman Larson being maybe a bit below, a slightly below average second pair in a you know fine three four Tyler Myers and Dermot, who's kind of on the fence, yeah. and then a third pair of Rathbone and Shen, that is totally acceptable in my books. Again, a question mark there too, and Jack Rathbone. Mm-hmm. I think we know that Luke Shen will be an absolute fine number six, uh, as long as the age hasn't done too much over the last few months that I would say, yeah, I mean, I think that they sort of have average top pair questionable second pair, but can't be too bad. And then a average third pair, maybe again, slightly below average, but this is a lot better than the, you know, okay. They have a couple defensemen and then it's just a black hole. (laughs) <laughs> because maybe, you know, then you put a top or like the fifth best goalie in the NHL behind that. And suddenly it's it's probably going to be acceptable. And you have a pretty high powered forward group as well that is hopefully going to rise that level as well. And suddenly I'm not feeling as stressed about the defense. Isn't it funny how one uh, I get it. He's your franchise D-man, but one shift makes that much of a difference too. otherwise we're, we're crying. We're praying about the right side. OK, mm. so. Do you have time for this argument, Parker? If it's Rathbone as the third left guy, that's Shen over Pullman because Shen, because follow this logic, Rathbone sort of plays like Quinn Hughes, but not as good, but sort of the same way. Shen was good with Quinn Hughes, therefore Shen will likely be better than with Rathbone than Pullman would be with Rathbone. Does all that make sense to you? It makes sense, but it's not my rationale. My okay. rationale is I think Luke Shen is a better defenseman than Tucker Pullman. Sure. I, I and that's honestly the all I care about. Now, if they try Rathbone and Pullman, and for some reason that works fantastically, yeah, fine. I I I don't hate Tucker Pullman. I think he's overpaid, uh, <laughs> yeah, and and uh, too long of a term. But if he can perform, I would much rather have the better player in the lineup. Right mm-hmm. at this point, mm-hmm. the money's paid. I don't care. Let's let's see if you know who's going to be better. I personally believe that'll be Luke Shen. Um, yeah. You know whether and, and I think. This management group, they're not the ones that gave Tucker Pullman this contract. So they're not going to sort of have that pressure of, we gave this guy $10 million. We got to have him in the lineup because they didn't sign that contract, right? Sure. They can, they can have him as the seventh D and look, seventh D man matters until there's an injury and there will knock on wood. There will be one, Uh, right? There just will be. There is on every team. Wait, did you knock on wood for an injury? I'm just waiting. No, I knocked <laughs> so there kidding. wouldn't be, hopefully okay. too soon. Um, yeah, yeah, after yeah. Besser and McKay ever back. Let's go with that. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, you. it's just, there's a bunch of question marks still on the defense, but I think they're in a better spot than they were two weeks ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree, I agree. And I, I, I agree with you too. Even though Shen, and you, you can't, you made a great point, you can't worry about the money because, yeah, the this regime has only signed a few players, i.e., uh, Miller and and so on and so forth. So yeah, uh, Shen makes eight hundred fifty grand. Pullman makes two point five million. So you can't say you're saving that money if Pullman's still around as the seventh D. He's still on your roster. So it's not like you're you're looking for cap savings. You're just looking for the better player right now. Now, if you had to send one down, yeah, you would get more cap space from sending down Tucker Pullman, right? Because you would only get like the eight hundred grand for Luke Shen or whatever he's paid. Whereas right. Pullman, you get the full 1.1 or whatever the actual number yes. is. But right. I don't think we're in that scenario, right? I don't think, yeah. unless they do sign DeKaiser right. to be like a, a number seven and yeah. Rathbone takes one of their positions and they have to send Pullman down. I have just, I, I don't think there's any room for Danny DeKaiser unless, they, unless his job is literally to be the number eight. Right. Unless he is literally there to just take up a press box spot because they want to ride 13 and eight. Right. Right. Well, they don't and they don't want to have Jack Rathbone sitting in the press box all year. You make a really that's a really good point, Parker, because for those of you who are not uh, don't know this, uh, you have to name a 23 man roster. So you always have two goalies. So the 21 is either going to be 13 forwards, eight defensemen. So one extra forward, two defensemen or 14 forwards, 70 men, which is two extra forwards, one D, always three extra skaters, and then 20 dressed for an actual game, 12 plus six plus two. So you, in theory, you have three healthy guys sitting around. Parker, in, traditionally, do you like 13 and eight or 14 and seven? What do you like? I think most coaches like 13 and eight. 
yeah. from what I've seen. Um, for me, just thinking numbers-wise, the yeah. math makes more sense to have two extra forwards and one extra defenseman because you dress twice as many forwards as defensemen. Yeah. So it is more likely for two forwards to get injured than two defensemen to get injured, if that makes sense. Um, but coaches do like to have those defensive options available. Right. Um, and, I mean, we've seen Alex Biega play forward because of that. Um, yes. So there's a bit of give and take. But, yeah, if you do have to have two defensemen in the press box, right, it's going to be most likely, if you have Jack Rathbun in the lineup, it's mm. going to have to be Luke Shen or Tucker Pullman and yep. someone else. Yes. And if they want DeKaiser to be that guy and they say, hey, DeKaiser, do you want $900,000 this year to fly around and sit in the press box and watch a bunch of hockey? <laughs> And for him, that might be the best offer that he gets, right? Because he might not have a NHL teams lining up and he might be forced to take an AHL deal somewhere. And I think he'd probably rather, I'm not going to speak for him, but maybe at this point in your career, you'd rather be in the press box than be in the AHL taking the bus everywhere. Mm -hmm. And good point about the 13-8-14-7, because yes, you once in a while see a defenseman having to play up as a 12th forward. You never see a forward having to go back and play as the sixth defenseman. <laughs> So yeah. I, I agree with you that usually most coaches do like 13 and eight. They like the extra two D men, despite the misproportionate or uh, yeah, the, uh, of what you said, dressing twice as many forwards. Great point. Yeah. And with the Canucks farm team here yeah. in Abbotsford, that's a lot less of an issue at home. Right. So for half of the games in the year, it doesn't really matter who you have in the press box. Right. Because they can get sent down as long as they're not waiver eligible, right? Yeah. You can have Jack Rathman in the press box one night and then playing in the Abbotsford Canucks line at the next, right? Great point. So yes. Yes. It's, it's much less of a concern. And if there's an injury, right, the call-ups are a lot easier, right? Maybe they don't feel as inclined to have eight defensemen on the roster when mm. they are on, like, a long homestand because they can just call up another defenseman if someone gets hurt really quickly, right? It'll take them 45 minutes to get there yeah. um, as opposed to... You know, if they're on the road, then suddenly you're you're thinking, okay, we're on a six game road trip. We don't have to. Have, it's it's tougher to get someone out here on one day of notice. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. All all good points. So bottom line, I think we both like Shen over Pullman. If they keep Hughes with OEL and we both think Dermot is better than Rathbone right now and we're going Dermot Myers. So, yes, it'll be uh, Rathbone with one of Shen or Pullman. And we're leaning towards Shen. The wild card here is indeed Danny Kaiser. And then after that, it, the tr trickle-down effect, Kyle Burrows, Brady Keeper. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention this last week, a Parker on a show. You know how I was volunteering at the Milford? I passed Kyle Burrows um, three times in the parking lot, and I I had to do double takes because he had one of those weird uh, mustaches. I don't oh, really? I'm weird. Yeah, so, and he's not that big. I, I'm, I'm, I'm fat, but I, I'm not that tall, but I was almost as big as him. And I walked past him three times because he looked like JT Miller if JT Miller had a goofy mustache. I that's the best way. That's the best way I can explain it. And then one of the times I think Burroughs was seeing, saw that I was trying to figure out if this was a play or not. And then I kind of gave him a look and he goes, Oh, I'm just returning something in my car. I said, Hey man, you don't have to explain anything to me. <laughs> that's great. That's pretty yeah. funny. And, and I, I, I also didn't mention Kyle Burroughs there uh, as, you know, that Danny DeKaiser role, right? Yeah. Uh, that we've now defined of the eighth D-man. Uh, Kyle Burroughs, I think, would be totally fine to have as a number eight guy, right? Yeah. How many games uh, did he play last year? He played, he got in a 42. Few played more than half the year. What? Uh, wow. Yeah. He had, uh, he was a, he, he had 39 wow. penalty minutes, goal and four assists. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was totally serviceable uh, when he needed to be. Yeah, um, but I don't think he should be in your lineup if you're trying to be a playoff team, right? I That's think fair. He's a, he's a good depth piece who overachieved last year, which was great. Um, but yeah, I think he's probably a guy that you want, um, probably in the press box. Does he have a one-way deal? I can almost. So he makes seven fifty. Yeah. If he's in the minors, he makes five hundred. So okay. it's not a huge dip, you know. I mean, it's it's a twenty-five percent cut. But yep. it's not as, or I guess, 33%. But it's not as huge of a difference as a guy who's making, you know, 900 grand in the NHL and 90 grand in the AHL, where in that case, he'd be totally fine take, taking a press box seat. Yes, yes. That's true. So Kyle Burrows, Brady Keeper, we were together when we saw Keeper's uh, horrifying injury last year yeah. in atmosphere. So it's good to see him back. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, admittedly, not a lot of attention is going to be paid towards the, the battle for 8th, 9th, 10th, but... No. You, as we've seen, those guys will get in the lineup eventually. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, you want to get to some roster cuts? Sure. Let's do that. All right. First round of roster cuts was this morning. Uh, for I guess it was this afternoon. They did it at 4 p.m. It felt like yeah. so many hours ago. Um, <laughs> so they have sent uh, Chad Nychuk okay. down to the AHL. Yeah. Did you know who that was? No. Neither did I. Uh, they sent Yushiro Hirano down. Know who he is. A, yeah, he's been yeah, a yeah, fan favorite. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I like him a lot, too. Yeah. Um, so he'll be going down to the AHL. That was an obvious one. Okay. Uh, they released Anderson and McPherson from their PTOs, so they were just camp bodies. Cole Shepard from his ATO. And oh. then they sent uh, Connor Lockhart, Ty Young, and could. Oh, my goodness. I feel like you. Could uh, <laughs> <laughs> Radsev? Wait. Was that a compliment or an insult? Part? It was an insult. Uh, <laughs> Kirill Kudryavsev. Yeah, that guy. Uh, they sent all of them back down to junior. Uh, so first round of cuts. I mean, they they bring the roster down from 59 to 51. They get, they have to get down to 23, right? These guys were never, they weren't making the team, uh, but it is the first round. <laughs> well, glad you, you mentioned those names and I didn't. Yeah, and I think, uh, Parker, I guess what's going to happen is Thomas Drance tweeted that he thinks now that because the Canucks released their practice schedule for tomorrow, they have a sheet in the morning and the sheet of ice in the afternoon. He thinks they're basically going to break it up into, instead of like all the good players spread out, probably one, whether it's morning, afternoon, doesn't matter, but one group will be the NHL guys or the guys battling for NHL spots and the other group will be the AHL guys kind of thing. Yep. And Which makes sense. a good way to do it. You know, yeah. And then if someone from the AHL group is really impressing... Maybe yeah. give him a shot, right? I mean, there's exactly. always there's usually one, you know, one guy a year who impresses. Sure. Um, so we'll see if that happens. But uh, you know, for the most part, having having that solid NHL group, they'll get some practice under their belt. This is the time to start working on like special teams and things along those lines. Get those systems in place. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, it's getting closer. Yep, I agree. And Parker, just before we spend the last few minutes answering questions. You always so good about promoting my streams on here and talk telling people to go there after this show. So I want to give you some love. You did a really good video today. I want everyone to go watch it when well, watch it after you watch my stream. So like watch it at 12 tonight. But basically Parker, I want to give you a couple of minutes of space here to talk about what you vlogged about today cuz I found it very interesting. Yeah, so the thank you. Uh, the yeah. the Athletic put out their projections. They've been doing basically two teams a day. Uh, they put out the Canucks projections and basically the gist of it uh, projected to get around 92 points, 49% chance of making the playoffs. Okay. And a lot of people online were like, wow, all these numbers guys, you know, didn't you see that they were a 106 point team under Boudreaux last year? And, you know, 49%, that's less than 50. You're saying we're not going to make the playoffs. When in reality, it's a coin flip. And I, and yeah. sort of the gist of my video is going through a bunch of different sources on, you know, uh, how the models are working. Uh, mm. where, you know, what other, you know, what are the betting markets saying? What are these other, you know, analysts saying? Cause Vegas is usually pretty good at this stuff. Yeah. Uh, they make a lot of money. They, yeah, they, of be, they better be. <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're pretty good at it. So I kind of went through and, and, you know, did a bit of a, a deep dive onto that. So for the most part though, I mean, what would you like when we talked about how our confidence in the Canucks making the playoffs were what, like 60, 65, 70. Yeah. Sure. Right. 50% is not that much less than that. Yeah. So, you know. So, yes, I saw the athletic article and I saw um, your vlog and I, I even texted you this morning and said, good job, because uh, you did a good job breaking down the numbers. When I saw 91.7 points, so 92, I admit my first reaction is, what? We got 92 points last season. That's that's way too low. I'm here sitting talking about the Canucks are going to finish third. So, to me, third is 98, 99, 100 points, not 92, 93 points. Yeah. Uh, you you say, well, that's only three games, Clay. That's only uh, uh, three more wins, six points. But that's a lot. In hockey, that's that a lot, lot. obviously. Yeah. And I think you made that point in your in your vlog today, too. So all to say, uh, when I sit back unbiased, I do think I do think we have a chance to finish third behind the two mm-hmm. Alberta teams. But so many things have to go right, including us staying healthy, which already, and this is what, what we led with, is proving to be a problem for this team. So uh, when I hear 50%, 49%, whatever, 51%, exactly how you articulate it. It is a coin flip. That's not a bad thing considering we have made the playoffs once in the past eight seasons. Yeah, remember how last <laughs> year we like those odds came out and I think the Canucks were around like 40 50% and everyone's like, well, this is ridiculous. They didn't make the playoffs last year, right? Yeah. And they were really bad to start the season, right? That still has some merit. They had 57 games where they were on a heater, 
right? Yes. And that could be exactly how they come out this uh, this year as well. They could also come out like they did last year, right? It was really <laughs> it was a coaching change in a few players. Um, the Canucks need a hot start, that, I, and I think that's going to really set the tone for the year. They're starting on a five game road trip, right? That could. You know, they go one and four and suddenly alarm bells are going off. They go three and two and we're feeling good. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I I'm going into this. Season, I'm very hopeful the Canucks will be a playoff team. I think we're all probably a little biased being fans of the team. Um, so, you know, a coin flip. I'll take those odds at this point. That's better than one and eight, which is what we've had the last eight years. Well said. Well said. So, uh, yeah, we'll see more uh, uh, models come out. Statistical models betting analysis predictions over the next three weeks and we can talk about them as we go but as of now bubble team and i think that's fair yeah and i will note those the vegas odds i mentioned vegas has the canucks around 53 percent. so oh yeah they're smart and again they're pretty good at this right they make yeah. a lot of money yeah. um so uh yeah uh check that out at eleven forty-five or whenever clay's <laughs> show ends if you really oh, want to okay. be up late uh, or or watch it in a, in, right after this and come to my show. Come and say, I'm not going to be offended. Yeah, Just watch it. Instead. Just uh, watch it. Yeah. All right. Um, so that's all the topics we had, folks. Let's yep. get your questions. Um, we've got, yeah, about 15 minutes to go here. Um, this is, we have, what, two more shows before the regular season after this. So yes. let's do a quick. Hey, we, we love preseason hockey here. All right. Yep. It's the best hockey, really. <laughs> Uh, the Vancouver Canucks play t- three more games before our next show. They got the Kraken on Thursday. They got mm. the Kraken on Saturday and then mm. the Oilers on Monday. Uh, and then that show, that game will end about 830. And then we'll be doing our show around uh, around 10. So yep. it's going to be like a good old post game of a not exciting hockey game. <laughs> Just like the first 27 games of last season. <laughs> That's right. We will be talking. Yeah, after that. Okay, we have time. That's good. We'll, we'll make it work. Hopefully, we're talking about a win. Uh, be, let's get uh, Lucas uh, continuing that donation train. Thank you for the donation. Abby Canucks hosting their training camp in Poco. I think it's later this week. Uh, no, in October. Yeah, via socials earlier today. So, Abbotsford Canucks in Port Coquitlam, free to the public if you want to go watch. Thank you, Lucas, for bringing that to the attention. And thank you for donation as always yeah next wednesday that starts Brookville okay. community center i didn't even know that was a place i've never been there before doesn't sound that big uh doesn't look that big either <laughs> they got a pool okay i think i've only been to poirier so i've never yeah, i've never been there before yeah. but hey that'll be uh you know, if you want to watch some some good hockey yeah. players skate around for a bit i'm sure yeah. it's a, a good time by the way uh, parker one of those poirier um Rinks is very hard to find. Like, there's the barn one, and then there's the one that you got to circle around. I don't oh, know. Yeah, I'll talk to you about. Yeah, yeah. I, I, my first time I was there was 10 p.m. I was lost. Um, <laughs> but I did figure it out at some okay, point. Okay, good, good, good. Um, Edmund, will both of you guys be shocked if Danny DeKaiser, Danny De, DeKaster, as you uh, you called him, makes the <laughs> I like that name better. <laughs> Would I be shocked? No. Uh, shocked is too strong a word. Would you be shocked if he makes opening night lineup? Yes, I would okay. be shocked because you're right. There's a good difference there. 23 versus 20. Great, great. And we just talked about why that the Canucks made to carry two extra D. So, yes, I would be shocked. Definitely surprised. Shocked is a very strong word. I'd be very, 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 very surprised, shocked if he was in the top six. Yeah, uh, same boat. I, I, th- I yeah. wouldn't. Again, I, I look at a guy like Jack Rathbone and I see a, it would be really easy for management to be like, Let's let's have DeKaiser instead, right, for our third pair. Let's have a, a, a safer defenseman. Mm-hmm. Um, you can argue whether or not he's actually safer if it's harder to keep up, but, you know, I digress. I, I wouldn't be too shocked to see him get a contract, um, but yep. I would prefer probably not. Again, we've had one game of sample size, um, but, yeah. I agree. Funk Hugh says, can you see Vancouver flipping a forward for a defender of equal value? No, I can't at this point. because yeah. because equal value is so like, especially at this time of the year, teams are pretty set, right? It's it's hard to make a hockey trade at this point. Like, you know, yep. they haven't, no one's playing any games. Uh, people have sort of worked their cap out to this point. Right. Uh, you see guys like Tyler Mott taking until a couple weeks ago to sign. Um, 
wingers don't have any value right now, like yeah. at all. Um, you know, the, the trademark, you, you know, you see a guy like Max, Max Pacioretty getting traded for literally nothing, like mm-hmm. not even a pick, like literally nothing um, to the point where, you know, are you, are you going to trade a top six winger for like a five, six defenseman, like number five, number six? Yeah. Probably not. Agreed. Agreed. So Kai kind of along those lines says, do you expect the Canucks to make any more moves or trades before the season starts? We could get an underrated player from waivers when everyone tries sneaking their players down to the AHL. I like that idea. Um, again, it's hard to do, right? Because every team, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be 120 players on waivers one day, right? Yep. It's just the way it works. Every team's going to send five, five waiver eligible guys down the same day. <laughs> um, so there's going to be, some pickings available right especially if the canucks do something like having jack rathbone in their final 23-man roster on that on the deadline day where they can then go claim someone off waivers and then just immediately send rathbone down because he's not waiver eligible and have that spot available right um it could be a good opportunity to get a decent defenseman who maybe you take a shot at worst case you know they they don't work out and you just put them back on waivers right Mm. um so it's definitely possible it's it's something that happens a lot more in theory than it does in practice, though. Right. What's that saying? One man's trash is another man's treasure or something like that? Yeah. And for the Canucks D, we could use some... Some, some babies, treasure. Babies, some, some treasure. Some treasure, yeah. <laughs> yes. Speaking of Canucks D, Edmund says, what is the likelihood Hughes plays on the right side? If he does, do you think he can do well? Well, from what we've seen, and I think we'll know more once him and Oya actually suit up for a regular se- a preseason game. I think this is the way they're going. Oh, unless Parker, this is the biggest swerve ever, and they're just doing this to see if they have to go to it down the road. I, I would give it like seventy-five percent that it's going to happen. I let's say it depends. If it's you know opening night, is he on the right side? Maybe a little higher than that because it does seem like it's something they want to try. But yeah. maybe they maybe they try in a preseason game, it just doesn't really work, right? Yep. And they come off yep. of it, or maybe five games into the season, it's not really working, and they they make some adjustments there. Sure. Um, if we're talking about like, does he just turn into a right side defenseman? You know, I, I guess there's a decent chance, right? It looks like that's what they're going to try. And Quinn Hughes has been talking about it and said like, yeah, it's actually, it might be easier in some ways. Yeah. And if that's the case, then I'm all for it because McCar's McCar's right side, obviously is Adam Fox's right handed too, right? Actually, I don't know. Can you look I it up real quick? I, I don't know. I can look it up really quick. He yeah. shoots l- right. He shoots right. Yeah. So Makar, Fox, Hughes, maybe, maybe he thinks it's the way to go. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's it's such a valuable position uh, yeah. that's always underutilized. So if, if he can be left-handed and play that side well, I mean, that's a huge boon. Right. Good. Good. All righty. Um, what do you guys got here? I mean, Edmund asking about Hoaglander. Um, yeah. Should be able to take advantage of top nine, which we mentioned with the Besser injury. Do yep. you think he'll bounce back? Uh, he he's showing like it. He he came into camp with fire in his belly or under his butt or maybe on his belly and his butt. He uh, I, I think he will. I think he will. And I think uh, he had a rough go under Green. He didn't have the best start under Boudreaux, but he's uh, he's he's performed well so far. I get it. It's just been you know uh, training camp, but I like it. Yeah, it's weird because the sophomore slump is something I just I don't believe in, mm. but it seems to always happen because <laughs> it because to me, it doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. Like it's like it just seems like weird luck. And then it's like confirmation bias where it happens a bunch of times. And everyone's like, oh, well, this is how it works. Yeah. But I mean, it's the best hope we have for Hoaglander. We're talking about a guy who, you know, he put up 27 points in 56 games in his rookie season. Right. Right. As a 19 to 20 year old. Uh, that's excellent. Right. He has mm-hmm. the pedigree to be a 40 point guy. I mean, he was a 40 point guy in his rookie season, the equivalent of right. Maybe a little higher. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he can be a 50 to 55, 60 point player if he builds off of that rookie year. Yeah. Maybe this year he gets back to that level. Right. Maybe he gets back to like 40 points or something along those lines, which would be great. Oh, but yeah. maybe he maybe then maybe next year he takes it higher and higher. It looks like he has noticed this as something that he needed to work on, mm. right? Because everyone's saying that he came out flying. 
Boudreaux was giving him a ton of props. Rutherford was giving him a ton of props. That's a great sign for a 21-year-old winger, right? Yeah. So if he can, you know, if he just outworks the issues that he had last year, mm-hmm. I mean, he has he has all the tools to be a you know a genuine you know 55 point player in the NHL. Yes, excellent points. I, I like that. I like your optimism. This is a good question, Jaskarin. So for waivers. It basically goes in reverse order of the standings of last year. Not not playoffs, right? Parker's reverse order of standings? Oh, I have no idea. So uh, I do. I know it goes from worst to first. So picture, let's say all 32 teams put in the, same, the claim on the same player. The lowest place team will get, the, will get him. But then that team goes to the very top of the list. And now the next player that comes up, the 31st worst team will get the or best team will get the first shot. So it's basically right. it goes in reverse order. Yeah. Until November 1st. And then November oh. 1st, it swaps to current season standings. Perfect. Thank you. And do we figure out if it's regular season versus playoff positioning? Uh, all that this says is reverse standings order from previous okay. season. There we go. So it's probably regular season. And then. it probably doesn't matter that much. Right, right. Especially in the bottom sixteen, it's the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know, by oh, the good time point. you get to it mattering, you know, you're yeah. pretty, you're pretty deep in the list. So let's just say Colorado Avalanche will not be getting anyone off of waivers <laughs> this Probably year. Probably not, uh, <laughs> and they they're not going to need anybody off waivers. That's true too. <laughs> uh, all right. What else do you want to grab here? Akai's good comments. He says Miro Hiskinen is an elite left-handed D that plays on the right side or that can play. I don't know if he does that regularly. I don't know the Dallas Stars well enough but yeah. there's precedence there too yeah and he's really good uh, yeah he's good so, too. <laughs> you know he I'd, I'd love to have him just as yeah. much as as quinn hughes yeah absolutely oh i just put that's your favorite word what's my favorite word probably um yeah <laughs> um what else we got uh scrolling up a little bit i know we probably skipped a couple well, there's a big fight uh, in our chat. You can read it later about uh, uh, a trade proposal with Quinn Hughes, but we won't. Uh, we won't. We won't get the boy started again. That's fun. That's fun. Why? Why? Why trade your best defenseman? You know, yeah, <laughs> that's the thing, th- right? Like, it's kind of what they're talking about. Yeah. Let's let's get hypothetical here, and yeah. I haven't seen the trade proposal. Okay. It would. What would it take to get Quinn Hughes off of this team? I think it was more than what this person suggested and that's the whole point of why they were going back and forth it's it's probably a lot like (laughs) like it's it's a it's a top 10 center maybe right and the canucks need defense more than they needed they have three really good centers uh so there's no real need unless you're like kicking off a rebuild already for like the first overall pick but that's gonna be bedard that's not gonna happen i do want to give a shout out you see maddie benier's goal tonight no i gotta look Oh, it was good. Good. This he's winning the Calder. Uh, okay, lock it up. It hit, this shot was unreal. Short side, like just okay. over the shoulder under the bar. He is going to be insane for Seattle. We couldn't have got him right. No, he was picked really high. Last year, or this year, I think I can't was he was like third overall last oh, yeah. year, uh, something like that. So even Second if we overall. had our okay, oh yeah, he's, he's very good. Okay, good. Yeah. I'll look it up. Thank you for that advice. Yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, he is very, very good. Awesome. So I think over the next two Mondays, one of them, we're going to try and do our predictions. We only have two more weeks left now. It came up pretty yeah. quick. <laughs> I, I don't know if you want to try to do that next week. Uh, that should be a, a good a good time. Um, yeah. That would be, be a fun one. Uh, okay. Because, yeah, that'll be right after a hockey game. Uh, but if we do it the week after, then preseason's over. So there's a little bit less risk in doing it that late because you get the full yeah. preseason. And you're right. Next week, we will have a chance to talk about the game. However, okay. last mm-hmm. year, what we did is we did our predictions and then we left them open until opening night, which, ah. you know, maybe the extra week would be good for people on the podcast side or whatever who catch up, yeah. you know, a few days late. So let's okay. try to do it next week. Okay. Uh, I will, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll pre, I'll have the questions pre done. We okay. can both pre put in our answers, have them locked in before we talk to each other. And Perfect. We'll uh, we'll do it live, and we'll we'll go over the predictions. That sounds perfect. That sounds perfect. Excellent. All right, guys, uh, we got to wrap up because Clay's got his show to do. So jump on over to that, uh, and then my analytics video. Uh, do <laughs> both. Uh, if you don't and do you, both, that would be sad. Yes, and, you're, and then you have everything done by midnight, and then you can go to yeah, bed. Yeah, and then you can go to bed. <laughs> you know, because 11 p.m. is not late enough. <laughs>
If you enjoyed any part of the show, feel free to rewind back to the beginning. If you missed any part, leave a like, hit subscribe, leave five-star reviews, do all that good stuff. Uh, you can follow me, Parker's Pucks, on Twitter and on YouTube. Clay, Canuck Clay, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, our branding's great, easy to find. Uh, Clay, any parting words before you jump over to your show? I'm excited. I'm excited. Two weeks to go. Next week, we're doing predictions, talking about a game. And then, uh, I, yeah, someone's talking in my, uh, in my room, but it doesn't matter. I'm excited, and I can tell people are excited here, too, because we had a lot of good people in here, and we're, it's only going to continue to grow. So thank you, Parker. Thanks to everyone watching. Yeah, um, join us next week. It's prediction time. We're going to have a lot of fun. Absolutely. It might be extra special, but I'm not going to tell you guys why. Just make sure you're there. Hit subscribe. Have notifications turned on. And uh, we will see you next week. Bye, everyone. <laughs>